0: Hello and welcome to Philosophy with Will Anderson. This is a great episode and it's a long one, so I'm going to get uh, pretty much straight to it. You can support the podcast. Uh, it is um, patreon.com slash TOFOP, T-O-F-O-P. Um, chuck is a buck, a couple of bucks a month if you enjoy the podcast and it helps uh, pay uh, podcast Mike who books the guest and it pays uh, help and puts all the stuff together and Mike Hell our... American producer who does all the audio for the podcast and puts the episodes together. So uh, between my two mics, uh, there are two mics here in front of me and I have two very special mics in my world who help me put the podcast on and they are paid out of the Patreon and with some of the money that we get from the ad reads. So um, I don't make any money out of this podcast at all, but um, you know, I like to pay the people who help me put it together. So uh, patreon.com slash tofop Uh, is the place for that or otherwise the best way you can support me is come out and see one of my stand-up comedy shows so um, Will Informed is in Hobart Um, that's the first date on my new tour no Adelaide Fringe uh, for the first time in nearly 20 years Uh, no Brisbane Comedy Festival this year Uh, so the first big run of the show will be at Melbourne during the Melbourne International Comedy Festival I've normally done a few shows by the time I get to Melbourne but this year I will uh, be going in my second ever time doing the show will be my first night in Melbourne so come out early and maybe come again at the end. I do have a couple of people who tend to come and see the show very early on in the festival and then come and see it towards the end of the festival. This year, probably more than other years, uh, you may see two very different shows. So very excited about that. It's going to be a new challenge and it's a little bit terrifying. But uh, Hobart on sale and then uh, Melbourne's National Comedy Festival, all the details, comedy.com.au. And then when the other cities are on sale, they'll all be up there, comedy.com.au there is a chance that i'll be doing a a run of the the longer version of the show which is probably going to be somewhere between you know an hour 45 and two hours in sydney at some stage before that hobart gig because i have to get the hobart gig down to an hour i have an hour slot and at this stage i have more than an hour of ideas so i thought i might give it a run somewhere at the kind of full two hour version or whatever it's going to be and then uh cut out the best bits uh and uh put them into the alpha hobart that's going to be my plan so if you're in sydney and you want to see the the version of the show without all the edits then i'll probably be doing an updated work in progress or work in more progress a work more progressed um uh before that so check all the details at comedy.com.au and uh, enjoy today's episode with celia Hello and welcome to Philosophy with Will Anderson. I am Will Anderson from the title of the podcast and uh, this is how the podcast starts. I just say to the other person, I say, who are you? But no, nah, I'm not going to get to it that quickly. Come on, people. You know, I'm a rambler. Um, I'm going to say this. i very excited to have this person on the podcast. I find it hard to look the person in the eye while I'm doing this introduction so I tend to look down at the Zoom recorder as if I'm monitoring my own levels or something. Um, very excited to have her on the podcast. Uh, she is a brilliant comedian, um, uh, someone I consider to be a friend of mine, and always great to have an opportunity to catch up with her, so I'm very excited about it, and plus we have a new kitten, and uh, at the moment she's uh, pretty much doing a lot of um, uh, kitten wrangling, kitten stroking, uh, distracting the kitten. And, you know, anyone who's got a kitten knows that, you know, paying a kitten attention is pretty much a 24 hour a day job. So I'm glad to have a kitten sitter in for at least the time that we're going to talk today. But if she seems distracted at any stage, mm-hmm. it is probably kitten related. Uh, Guest, who are you?
1: Celia. Hi. Pacola <laughs> <laughs> I just, it's like, like, this is my dream. So kittens are there's a photo whenever it goes what's the happiest moment there's a photo of me when I was like five sitting on a on a bit of pavement in the sun holding a black kitten in one hand and a white kitten in the other hand and I have no memory of it other than it's the happiest that I will ever be and the fact that there is a kitten here a small black kitten that I'm currently within arm's reach is like my bliss
0: (laughs) Well I was about to suggest that mm-hmm. um you know the idea that you had a black kitten in one hand and a white kitten in one, the other hand was you know it was good it was like it was a good image for this podcast you know it was sort of a yin and a yang like a dark and a you know bright side or you know two yeah. sides of the same coin but yeah. now I feel lacking that I only have a black cat, I know where's yeah.
1: the white one yeah. um well actually um I did a show when I was in the UK years ago um and they've asked you a bunch of questions before you got there to do your intro, to write your intro. And one of them was, what's your happiest memory? For With Chris Addison, I can't remember. Anyway, it's called Show and Tell. doesn't matter. It doesn't exist anymore. But um, in my intro, they said she lists her happiest moment as as sitting on a pavement holding a black kitten and a white kitten proving once and for all that Australians aren't as racist as we think they are. <laughs> and I was very happy with her. Okay. Um, but yeah, and, but I've never actually had a, a cat, of of my own but it's yeah cats seem to come up in my life cuz i love them but it, you know i've done a bunch of material about how as a single woman you're not allowed to have cats cuz it makes you crazy well it's, you just are crazy it doesn't make you crazy but you suddenly are a crazy cat lady
0: i was uh, talking to the producer of my radio show just like a couple of hours ago we mm-hmm. were having a breakfast we were having a little planning meeting and um i was talking to him about having a new cat and he was so excited like now he knows that I have dogs, but he's never really bought into the fact that I have dogs. There's never been any request to see a photo of the dogs. Oh,
1: okay. But
0: when I said that I had a new kitten, eyes lit up, where are the photos? And then suddenly I, I was like, I didn't know this about you. Because he's like a man and he's like, well, let's let's just say somewhere between 25 and 35. Okay. You know, single yeah. young guy in that age bracket. I just didn't expect to see this reaction, but he he loves cats. And he was saying that same thing. He was going... I can't get a cat because I'm a Really? I'm a single guy and I just feel like that's going I, down a road. So that, that's
1: interesting because I don't think that stereotype applies stereotype applies to men. I feel like if a man had a cat, you'd go, you're
0: Well, how would you feel if you went back to a man's apartment?
1: And they had a cat, I'd be thrilled. I'd be like, I'm fine, you go out, and I'll stay and look after the cat. There's something like
0: about cats. well, I don't think that the guy wants that either though, nah. right? The guy doesn't want to be the second best option in the house.
1: (laughs) Well, I used to think, no, but I used to think because I always wanted a cat and Kelly, my flatman and I have just got a dog because she can't stand cats. But I think it's partly because I've a sphere of commitment and responsibility and cats take care of themselves, they seem to. And they just seem like, I don't know, you you have to sort of work for their love. I don't know. I think I just really like um, the idea of what, cats represent which is crazy i find it so amazing how much stuff we put on cats and dogs that are just animals like when people don't like cats they ha- like they really have a problem
0: oh the amount that. of times in this house the expression like oh she's mad at me she's mad oh, at she's me she's like you know she's, she's being smug. passive aggressive yeah, No she's not. yeah yeah <laughs> she's definitely not someone
1: said to me um they make you think that yeah they they love you but they don't or you can't trust them i'm like don't lend it money <laughs> Like they're, it's, they're just.
0: You can't trust them. Feels a bit harsh.
1: Yeah. Right. Um, but but we've ended up getting getting a getting a dog. But yeah, I I always thought it was more a, I don't know a, a crazy a, a woman thing. But that's interesting. But yeah, I would if a guy had a cat. I don't know what it, what I would think that says about them. I think maybe, not lazy, but. It's less work, like a cat is, if you the yeah, choice you don't have it. to
0: walk your cat. Yeah. You can just leave some food out for the cat. Yeah. You know, there doesn't have to be designated meal times for the cat. Yeah. Yeah, I think there is, like, I mean, I, what I like about the cats is that they feel like they've... I like there's a nice balance, and particularly with this kitten, <laughs> there's a nice balance in between. If you want me to pay attention to you, yeah. I will. Like, you know, I'll come and sit on your lap, I'll be... But, you know, I've got some other things I could do also. That's it.
1: Do you know what I think it is? I think I would be more attracted to a man or like more comfortable going into a relationship with a man who had a cat rather than dog because they proven that they can love have love in a complicated relationship you know they are going to work for it they'll be patient you know they won't mind if i ruin their furniture
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely yeah they don't mind if there's a weird smell in their house they're like
1: i don't want them to expect me to be happy to see them all the time
0: Oh, yeah, how wow. draining is that? You get home from work and yeah. like your partner's just at the door, yeah. you are know, foaming at the mouth. <laughs> right. Come yes. on, let's go do just something. give me five minutes. Like, no, no. No, no, pick
1: up my shit. No, yeah. okay? Pick up your own shit. You're a grown man. It's interesting. But I've never really been in relationships with people who have pets at all because I generally date. I was going to say, I date children. I don't date children. I don't, I generally it's been, you know, not people in the established I think of grown-ups having pets.
0: Well, also often it, it is someone who is settled in where they live.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's that's probably it.
0: Yeah. You know, have to have a backyard if you've got a dog, perhaps. Well, you don't have to, but.
1: And, but I'm still scared. So Kelly and I've got a dog. I'm 35 and I was like, I've got too much love to give and it needs to go somewhere. And okay. I'm 35 and it's time to commit to, to
0: getting a dog. A dog. Like a genuinely, I'm scared with <laughs> no, but a friend. Not, not even getting a dog with a partner. No, no, no.
1: With a friend. and with it's a friend. A, and And he's 80% hers. Because I still need to be able to leave.
0: <laughs> so hang on, you've got a timeshare in a dog. Kind of. You don't even own a dog.
1: No, I'm definitely the dad who goes away for work.
0: You're a minor investor in a dog. Yeah,
1: I have shares. You, you in a can't.
0: Dog. You can't actually influence a vote, but you've got twenty percent of the voting yeah. stock. Yeah.
1: And basically, my my share of the responsibilities is tough love. <laughs> Kelly and I have very different parenting oh, styles of okay. the dog. Because it's it's still love. But it needs it needs boundaries because it's a dog.
0: Now, that is absolutely true. And I am a person who is not very good at tough love, mm. um, uh, which is why our house still smells a little bit like dog urine. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> especially on that really expensive rug that I bought. Oh, so, nice. Um, but I think that that is right. But is, is there any part of you that doesn't want to be the bad cop? All the time, like, do you get yeah. like in the same way as it would be in that raising children sort of thing of like going, oh, why do I always have to be the bad guy? Yes. Why do I always have to be that person? Do you yeah. feel like that?
1: Yeah, there's a bit of that, but he's the dog, so I can pretty much bribe him. <laughs> I, in my mind, I'm like, I can bribe his love back with treats. Often, and eventually, when he's got good habits and stuff, he will appreciate what I've done for him. <laughs>
0: You can't change him, Celia. I can <laughs> you and I will him. slowly, slowly over time because it's what's best for
1: him. <laughs> it's what's best. What am I doing, with? I don't know.
0: Um, well, I'm glad that you have given into, um, you know, having no commitments by having a 20% share in a dog with your Slowly, flatmate.
1: slowly. And it's been good. It, it, and part of it is what's been great for me, and this is what sort of this year is about. Well, just more so is trying to have other things as my focus that aren't me or my work, you know, just to take care of something, to have something else that needs taken care of, that needs go first is really good.
0: For I mean, me. but only a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say, it's hard, hard <laughs> for me laugh. to comment on that on a podcast called Philosophy with yeah. Will Anderson. Yeah, right.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I knew I mean, it was just getting too roundabout. And round. I was like, so that's that's part's been really good, but still, I can still leave. You say I this want.
0: year, um, do you, are you a person who, because we're recording this, you know, sort just of January. early in January, yeah. um, are you the sort of person who uses the new year as a sort of fresh starting point in that traditional manner?
1: Not on purpose, but I can't kind of help doing it because the end of the year just gets reflective. I just I get gets out because it's just always that. You just remember Christmas. You go, well, what was I doing this time last year? And I do think it's good to sort of take stock of all the things that happened in the year because it goes so quickly you know and you're always busy usually the biggest stuff happens when you're super busy so it sort of flies past so it just sort of naturally leads to oh okay and now what for the next year but not really resolutions but I had a really good I had a motto maybe it was two years ago now because I can't remember but I've just sort of stuck to it my last motto that I really remember choosing and having was in my show this year which is um you'll see, you'll all see, which was good. Because I got I got hurt emotionally over Christmas.
0: I, we should point out that's the motto, by the way. The motto. Like that wasn't you threatening the audience. No, you'll, you'll see. Because you said it in a way see. that was like, my show, you'll see. Oh, no, You'll no, all no. see. That's the motto. People you should though. You should going. all see my show. It's not a bad show. No. <laughs> that's a great show.
1: Um, so, which I like because – so what happened is a, 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 I got my feelings hurt and – uh my my reaction to that was I'll show you I'm going to get fit like that was the 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 feeling behind doing stuff was you I'm going to show you which was quite good as a motivator um so this year I'm not so sure I don't know what it is but that's some part of it for this year that I'm like is balance would be a bit better to just have stuff outside of me and my work well, cuz it's just too, it's just too it's I'm doing my own head in
0: I'll show you is a can be I think a useful short term motivator yeah but it's not a sustainable like you can't live your entire life trying to prove other people wrong or show other people that no but I mean it is eventually it's exhausting right yeah because you're like Actually, the only person that I'm really, you know, competing against or mm. who thinks this other person is, you know, you're seeing this, yeah. you know, I got fit and that showed them and then they've moved on. Yeah. They're thinking about something else. They're oh, not thinking yeah. about you at all. Yeah. Straight so really, away they it's wouldn't. you that you're, you know, having this internal monologue with.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it was a show. So that's not really what it is now, which is why I'm sort of trying to figure out what I want it to be now. It doesn't have to be a motto. The Well, the only one I've got at the moment is go to bed, Celia. <laughs> because generally all of my, my most, not worst behaviours, but the behaviours that I would like to, you know, is happen at night time. All the bad things that I do happen at night. I'm really good during the day. Health, fitness, all that kind of stuff. The sun goes down, chaos. And if I just could just go to bed a few more times, <laughs> that'd be better.
0: I think that's not a bad way of looking at things. Like, you know, sometimes people look at the... I guess the symptom or whatever, and they're going, ah, oh, like I'm drinking too much late at night or whatever. And they're like, I've got to drink less or I've got to stop doing that or whatever. But sometimes it's just like, take yourself out of the situation yeah. where that thing presents itself and it will yeah. naturally eradicate itself.
1: Yeah. And it's weird because it's like, it's, yeah, it still feels like, even though I'm 35 and I can do what I want and I can be, have been able to do what I want for a very long time, it still feels like nighttime is when no one's looking. Nighttime, I was like, "Oh, quick, quick! Do all the things, that they don't count, you know. If I ate this in the dark, it never happened. Right. That kind of stuff. <laughs> where it's mad, it's still, it's which is great, which is madness to me. Um, so I don't know. So that's kind of, but th- at the same time, I want to be able to do whatever I want. But yeah, that's that's is that's that partly.
0: Part um, I mean, obviously, you know, stand-up comedy is nighttime work, yeah, generally, <laughs> and which means that your knockoff drinks, yeah. you know, tend to be. You know, you're already late into the night. At it, like Ted Robinson always, you know, from the big gig, he produced yeah. the Glasshouse, and Ted always talked about the idea that as entertainers, we work when other people are playing, and we play when other people sleep, mm-hmm. and we sleep when other people work. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, that. And as a general rule, that when you start to look at your day a bit more like that, you're like, well, yeah, of course, I was having a drink at eleven. It was two hours after I finished work, and that was an appropriate time of night to be having a drink. Yeah. Um, but you've also now been doing work that is not exclusively at nighttime. Like, you know, you're making TV shows and doing these sort of things that are kind of – you're actually working during the day now.
1: Yeah, and it's also just this thing of – and I don't know where I got this from or this is everyone – something about deserving a treat, like, at the end of the day, whether that is food or something like – the, the, i made made to the end, of this, so I can't just the thought of just going to bed is just having a day yeah. and doing a bunch of stuff. Whether you do anything, and just going to bed is like, but,
0: but why don't? Where's a reward? Yeah, what why a I reward? Do that?
1: Which I, I, would. It's Even just the a rack gets thing a that bit I've of realized. Cheese. What are you doing? I've realized that it's something that I have where I go, but when just go to bed, mate. <laughs> just have a day. Not every day is a special occasion. I don't know. No, there's something that um. I've noticed that I've Not every day
0: is a special special occasion.
1: occasion? No, it's just a day. So I don't know if it's But that's
0: counterintuitive to every motivational calendar and whatever (laughs) you see in your life, which is like, you know, live every day as if it's your last and be special. And, you know, you never know what could happen. So live your best life at all times. This
1: is the problem. I'm so confused because there's just so many conflicting things that we are told, which is... You know, relax and do nothing, take time for yourself, but make every moment count and squeeze everything out, you know, what I and I just don't know which one it is. And I sort of right. find myself flipping between them. I couldn't
0: make every moment count. I was doing my mindfulness colouring.
1: Yeah, but you know you know what I mean, there's just so many but even just as a as an idea of if you should do less or do more which one? I don't know. And then they go, Well, what's works for you? I'm like, I just just tell me. I don't know.
0: I was um Putting together my, we're well, trying to work out what the idea of my comedy festival show would be mm-hmm. for this year, and uh, I was I was actually like really daunted by it because last year my show was, you know, I think by far and away the best thing that I've ever done. Like, but like in a in a way that was such a substantial leap from my other work that I suddenly and it was based around sort of a very unusual circumstance that happened, and I had this story that was like so. Yes, I know very well. and it's me very, and yeah. all these sort of things mm-hmm. you're like well what do i do next year like you know i can't get yeah. arrested again i've i've got to talk about something else and do something else and i was finding that idea really daunting and i was i was talking to one of my friends about it and they said to me they said you know you don't have to actually have to do a show and i was like but you've always i mean i know yeah i know theoretically what you're saying mm-hmm. is true And there is a part of me that does occasionally sort of dabble with that idea. Like, what would it be like? What would it be like if I just, like, I don't have to do a show every year? You don't do a show every year. And lots of great comedians don't do a show every year. Judith Lucy, who I think is the greatest of all comedians, does a show when she has a great show to do. Mm -hmm. Whereas I, uh, have brought nothing but quantity to the table <laughs> for the last 23 that's years. It's not true,
1: but it's ama- that's an amazing thing, yeah. But and, and there's something about a run, like having it.
0: Well, and so that's what it comes down to a mm. lot of the time is this idea of going, I know if I step away, I, I'm never going to do, I've done 23 years or whatever it is in a row now. I'm never going to do another 23 in a row. This is oh. my chance to keep going. But then I'm like, but for who? For yeah. Why? Is this what's really making me happy? Or would I be, maybe if I just took a year off, imagine if I had my summer, not just every day waking up and going, yeah. what the fuck am I going to do in this yeah. show? Because anyway, I'm doing another show. It's on sale now. Oh. <laughs> So, But, but I, th- I think about it every year. I have a serious think about it now.
1: Maybe next year. I mean, all that would change is that you go, well, I did 24. So next, this one, 23? 24. Oh, in 24 in a row. And then I took a year off. The thing is, I don't anymore. even know. So it's not even
0: really that important. But I think there is an inbuilt fear that if I go away, people won't come back. Yeah. Whereas that's counterintuitive. Normally what happens is if you actually go away, your crowds are bigger the next time because they've had time to miss you. Whereas if you're there all the time, they will often go, oh, well, we'll catch him next time or whatever. But um, the reason I asked, the reason I brought it up was that you don't do a show every year. And I'm interested in that and how you decide when and, yeah, why you will, will well, do a show
1: I have that fear But to a lesser extent So I wouldn't take Two years off A uh, One right. year I've now learned Is enough Which I think The first time it happened It was out of necessity I just couldn't do it For some reason And then um, And then I went Oh that was fine And better And obviously Because like, stuff like Rose I'd be writing I'd be starting writing now And it, me taking a year off Actually comes from fear That I wouldn't be able To put something together That's good enough um, and the thought of being in that room, you know, in the, the comedy theatre, this beautiful room and people excited to see me and I've put up something that's not good enough will just not yet uh, is really upsetting to me. Yeah. So I don't have a problem with Well that's the terrified
0: thought I'm having every morning when I watch
1: <laughs> <so. laughs> No. I have complete faith in it because you'll just make you'll just make it work. which is what people said to me. So this last year's show was almost that because we were writing Rosehaven at the same time and I went, this show's not going to be ready in time and went through all of that and it it came together in the end because. and this is what people said to me. They go, well, you just will make it work. And I went, you don't know because that's what <laughs> – because isn't that the worst when people are like, you'll be fine and you go, what if I'm not? Yeah. And you are but you might have not been. I yeah. don't know.
0: Have- but also, yes, exactly. <laughs> like, Well, what you're really saying when you say you don't know is – that they can't truly understand that idea that I know that I will get it done. Of course. Like I've got, I will have thousands and thousands of people coming to see the show and there's Mm -hmm. no way that I won't do everything that I can possibly do to make it a better show than last year's show. Like absolutely, 100%. I know that. What I'm really saying in that moment, where I'm saying it's not going to be any good is I know instinctively at this point in my life how hard it's going to (laughs) be to get from here to where this needs to be. Yeah. That's all I'm really doing. Yeah. In that, that moment where I'm saying you don't know, I'm saying you don't know how much of my time and energy and thoughts and waking moments and it'll be the thing I'm thinking about when I go to sleep and the thing I'm thinking about when I'm waking up and I'll be halfway through a movie and I'll be thinking about some idea from a show and that's that's what you don't know.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and but they can't say anything right like, no. you're saying it out I mean, I, I think you just sometimes you just need to say your worst fear out loud. Yes. I just go, I just need to say, need to say this out loud. But nothing they say is right. Because if they go, you'll be fine. You're like, yeah, no. And if they go, Well yeah, you're right. You're fucked. You're like, well, thanks. <laughs> so this is what I find with Santa, because you're so, on. at the end of the day, no one can help
0: us. No.
1: Like, nothing. So I and used we've done to, it to ourselves.
0: Exactly. Is- <laughs> exactly.
1: We're living our dream. And it's... A nightmare. It's a waking nightmare of torture. And we chose it. And we chose it. And we want it and I'll bloody do it to life. God damn, you can tear it out of my dead cold fingers. It's crazy. But I used to, because I used to be, be at, um, if I was scared at gigs, which is all the time, text, like text people, friends or in a relationship being like, I'm nervous at this, you know, I'm backstage, blah, 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 blah. And then I just sort of was doing it too much. I went, What am I doing? There's nothing they can say because they do that. They write back. You'll be fine, blah, blah, blah. So I started just texting myself because there's nothing – because I'm getting nothing out of it and they're just getting annoyed and they think I'm not – you know, it doesn't make me look good to be freaking out and stuff. So I found that quite a good tool to just text myself terrified messages and then I'd read them and go, oh, you'll be fine. <laughs> 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 then, you don't know. And, and then I'd say, like, you, you don't know. Yeah, you'll be fine. Place. You
0: <laughs> Um, why Why did you start doing mm-hmm. stand-up comedy? <laughs> like, what was it, uh, you know, about stand-up comedy in particular that, I don't you know... know. I don't know. I don't know. Because I here's what I'm... I will say uh, mm. as a kind of heads up and to give you some time to think about it, um, is that I... I mean, I think you're an excellent stand-up comedian. I think you know that I think that. But I also you give me some sort of – this might sound like a really weird thing to say and maybe you're – maybe I'm being completely wrong about this but often when I watch stand-up comedy, I don't see a lot of stand-up comedy that I can go, ah like that person does some of the things that I do. And I think that we have some shared sensibilities the way that we might um, unpack an idea or structure a show or something like that. So I think there's a level of like I don't get to see – with any joy like someone doing something like what i do but in watching you i get a little taste of like oh this is kind of what it's like to see somebody you know structure something in a way that you didn't realize that thing was going to come back or be important or you know there's some sort of underlying idea under this thing that she it seems like she's talking about at the moment and so it gives me great pleasure to watch in that sense as as well as you know me enjoying it but it also often, like, you know, I when I saw your show in Adelaide, it, which I was the first, I think, the first ever time that you did it, mm-hmm. it actually, it really kind of sparked some creativity in me because I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's how you unpick pick an idea and that's how that could be funny or that thing could be interesting. So, you know, I really enjoy your work on a whole range of levels, but I don't think that we've ever talked a heap about what brought you to it in the first place. So... Like, how did you come to stand up, and how did you come to be the stand up that you are? I guess is what I'm asking.
1: Sure. Well, that's very kind, and I think so. I, I, that's very flattering, you know. And that I'm very happy to, for, you or anyone to see any similarities in the way that we do comedy, because I think it's a lot of effort and work. I think is something we have in common. Not that other comics don't work, but it's a a tightness of structure and story and that kind of stuff but so that's cool um why stand up in particular I don't know but this is another thing for this year is is trying to find outside stuff because I'm f- feel so I've realized I'm so defined by my work which is terrifying because and I, I need to have a, I need to start thinking of myself as something other than as well as a comedian because it's it's when it's everything it's it's too much pressure on it and if it goes away then I don't exist And I genuinely don't know, like I genuinely, sometimes I genuinely go, I don't think I have a personality, like my personality is that I'm a comedian, like it's freaking me out, so I'm working on that. Um, Comedy in particular, I don't know, it just happened because I always like writing, I like writing in theatre and drama, but I wasn't the funny kid, there's nothing like that, I don't have that story that a lot of comics have, which is telling jokes to protect themselves Really, my dad was very funny, but not with us, like with other people. So I guess I saw him being funny and charming. Um, And then I went on a date to the Comics Lounge. And, um, oh, I did the law review before this. So I was a big fan of the late show on the DGN. And because I did sort of theatre and I thought, I'll try that. And I auditioned and got into that. And that was probably the first, what set up the comedian that I am is because I had a, Sammy J was in my year as well. And it was a boys' club. They were all very nice boys and I don't think they were doing it on purpose, but it was a Melbourne University boys' club. So not only was it a boys' club, they were quite posh, posh, rich boys who all went to Melbourne Uni and I didn't. And I submitted sketches and they never got up. And it was a real um, – for example, one time I said something and no one said anything and then the man sitting next – boy, guy, teenager, said sitting next to me said the exact same thing and everyone went, that's a great idea. Like that blatant. And I pitched scripts and they didn't get through. And my um, my solution to that problem was to drown them in scripts. So I just went, okay, I'm going to show you by being undeniably good at this. So I just kept writing sketches until they got in. So at the end of the show, I had like four of my sketches in the show and the other women in the show didn't have a line that they'd written in it. And I took that as real pride and I think that's sort of stuck, which is just – Be undeniably good. Make your stuff undeniably good. And my first raw set, I wrote it like it was like a small play. It had a structure and a beginning, middle and end and a theme and stuff because I thought no matter what I do or my performance is like, as long as I say these words out loud in this order, it's good. This is good on paper so whatever I do doesn't matter. And if I happen to perform it well, then it's a bonus because it's from fear of it not being good. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I really. I mean, I no, I really like that. I there's just so so many things out of that that I would like to talk about. Yeah, there's a lot. I'm trying to decide which one to talk about (laughs) first. Um, Oh gosh. Okay, well, you know what? Firstly, let's jump in with this one, and I need a
1: quick kitten pat. Hold on. We can. (laughs) Okay.
0: Yeah. We can talk about it um, as much or as little as you You. want to. Uh To be honest, of course, like everything, but you mentioned that idea of it being like a male dominated thing, and. You know, look, it embarrasses me when I talk about this. Like, and I can understand how, you know, white men, you know, particularly in industries like ours where it's been predominantly white men, you can see there's a real, you know, a reckoning at the moment with, you know, some past behaviour, but certainly with, you know, the type of material and just like the idea of, you know, opening the doors to more diverse, um, you know, voices and experiences and all these sort of things. But it sometimes embarrasses me how slowly that that has happened now that it's one of those things that once you see, you can't unsee. But I'm a bit embarrassed by how long it takes sometimes to to see it, right? I think part of it was that when I first started doing stand-up, the scene was dominated by strong women, queer People like there was a there was a diversity of voices, you know. The best comics on the scene were Judith Lucy and Sue Ann Post and Linda Gibson, and you know all these people, you know Miss Itchy and all these sort of. You 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 were seeing, you know, so there wasn't. I didn't quite realize how, you know, male dominated, you know, uh, and it, you, you didn't sort of when you saw a lineup that was all men, you know, you knew all the excuses or the reasons or whatever it was meant to be. So you never really thought much about what it might. Be to be a woman in that situation. And even in that next generation where it was Corinne and Michelle and, um, you know, Joe Stanley was doing stuff and there was a whole bunch, again, of just varied voices that I just don't think that I ever quite fully realised that it still would have been a pretty big deal to be walking into, you know, what was still was a a, a larger group of guys doing what they were doing. What was Mm. your experience? Because you've kind of been around in what I would consider the – the, what you kind of the transition period i guess
1: yeah it's a weird thing and i would like to point out that sammy j was also in that law review and he was not like that and and they were fine like they weren't i didn't
0: i heard he was the worst <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: um and they weren't you know that might have just been in my mind that they but it was it i found it i don't know if it was a woman thing or yeah. just that i wasn't part of their existing friendship group thing or that just those scripts that i'd first submitted weren't good enough and it whatever it was it made me drown them in scripts rather than want to quit was something I'm really happy that it, that I went that way. Um, I don't, with the standup, I remember like, it feels like when you start as a female, you go through this phase of being like, I'm going to change it. So myself and, Lou Sands started this thing called the skirt network like it feels like every new female comic goes through a part where you go what we're going to do is unite we're going to start a committee and we're going to fix it that way and we're going to band together and it lasts for a bit until you just go we just want to tell jokes because i remember we reached out to judith Lucy at, at the time and we're like you know, can you come in? And she was great. She helped us with all of this stuff. But she, there was some reason she didn't really want to talk about it. And we were like, why not? Why aren't you all fired up about this? And you're like, oh, that's why. Because after a few years of just being beaten down by it, you just like, I just want to get in with the job and not have this be a thing. Um, I found I got a real personal kick out of um, people underestimating me because I was a woman and then being really good. That was made me feel fantastic. Um I love that shit. Turning up at a gig and then being like, Whose girlfriend are you? Yeah. That kind of jazz. And then you have a gig and it goes really well. And aft and just the scramble yeah. afterwards. The um Oh my god, so yeah, what yeah. are the gigs? i like, you know, too too late. On the other side of that. I've
0: had a small taste of that, like, you know, working in the US. Oh, of course. You know, the amount of comedy rooms you walk into and, like, you know, there's all these young, cool, you know, comedians on the scene looking at like, who's this old guy guy? limping in with his bad (laughs) hips? Whatever the comedy version
1: of a pool shark is. (laughs) That's so funny. Oh, you mean this? (laughs) Um, But on the flip side of that was if I didn't do well, feeling like you were confirming people's uh, deluded belief that women aren't funny. Like you suddenly represent all women and if a a man's not funny, that man's not funny. If a woman's not funny, women aren't funny. Um, So there was that. I don't know if on a deeper level because it's this weird with me um, thing of deep insecurity and self hate, and, you know, imposter complexes and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know if part of me is sort of okay with feeling underestimated because then if I'm not good at it, well, I was never supposed to be good at it or something stupid like that. I mean, I don't, I just, I think the the overriding, being an example of being good at it and showing them <laughs> was really good. Um, weirdly, I'll show you this. But, um, I was just in London visiting my sister and I went there f- for the first time moving there in like 2010. And um, I found a box of stuff that I'd left at my sister's house for her to hold for me from 2010, including a bunch of notebooks from the time, which is heartbreaking, Um, but also just fascinating. But a lot of the same stuff from 10 years ago, but still, oh my God, what am I going to do with this gig? I don't know what I'm doing. I wonder what's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. But I found this one passage from 2010 that upsets me that it is still... So this is direct quote from 2010, Tilip kola. Why do I do comedy? I don't know. Do I have a burning desire to do it? How do I reconcile doing this as a woman? I hate being hated and women are hated. There are a lot of people who don't think women should do it. I know I don't comply with people's idea ideas of what a stand-up should be, but it's not going to get any better if I quit. I come... I could think... I don't know. Um, I, I want to think eventually... There'll be so many of us that they couldn't argue anymore, but there are heaps underlined and it still happens. And that's nine years ago. And I still think that. That was always the thing in my mind. I was like, the only way it's going to get better is more women proving it wrong, like just more women. And there were heaps at the time. Like you were saying, there was heaps when you were doing it and there's even more now, but maybe it is different now because of what's happened in the last couple of years.
0: I think it. I mean... I I think this is the opportunity to grasp, you know, I think that we, I was talking to Magda Zabanski, and we were talking about the idea that, you know, sometimes we have to be a little careful looking at the past through what we know today. Like judging, you know, like it's a very big BuzzFeed or junky sort of thing Mm -hmm. of like, you know, we watched Friends and it turns out there's heaps of like problematic jokes in Friends and you're like... Yeah, there is, because yeah. at the time people didn't quite understand that they were problematic jokes, yes. right? It's a historical document, and rather than going back and going, hey, this thing that was made 15 years ago is a bit problematic. You go, don't do it not it, Isn't it good that now we think that is problematic? Isn't yeah. it good that now we wouldn't, you know, make this sort of show? I, I talk to people about Gruen all the time now, and I say, you just – I, I th- I'd like to hope that in this day and age, if somebody suggested you had a panel show on the ABC where only five people would sit on a panel, that they wouldn't make three of the main hosts met. Yeah. I just think that in this day and age, I hope somebody would go, no, no, let's at least have that conversation and pursue every avenue. Like, you know, sometimes you were like, well, you just don't understand. At the time, that just wasn't a conversation that people were we're having and i think it is a conversation that we're having now so i think that is a sign that we are making progress but but there's also this kind of reaction back on that which is to sort of you know because we did problematic things in the past we can never acknowledge that those things were problematic because then it means that i was part of a problematic thing which is hard for people to that's why i feel so uncomfortable when i talk about it because i've been a major part of this industry for all that time and you know it's only now that we are really you know you know saying to people i won't perform on a lineup that doesn't include you know a woman on the lineup and that's a woman on the lineup mm. you know why weren't why weren't we saying that 10 years ago or why weren't we saying that you know 15 years ago so sometimes i think that there's two approaches there where you can mm. go all right well now that i know i've just got to do everything that i can to you know make sure that at least in my world what i can control i do what i can and I have to reconcile that in the past that I didn't, and kind of learn from that. But then there's another lot of people who are a bit like, "Well, I know how we were in the past. Let's just stay like that, or that wasn't problematic."
1: No, I think so. I think it. I think definitely. Uh, okay. Now we know that's not good enough. Is great. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's the only way. Right. Forward, isn't it? Because yeah, I didn't know. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, I didn't okay. Know. Yeah, you didn't know, I didn't and know. now, but now, now you I know. now you know.
1: But if you now you know, yeah. and and then you and then you fuck up, we're gonna come down real hard yeah. on you. <laughs> come That's, on, mate. You knew. It's from now. Yeah. yeah. From now. Right. Nah. From yeah. now. From now on. Yeah. Everyone.
0: And you can't claim that you don't know now because everyone knows. Everyone knows.
1: <laughs> yeah. I like to think. Yeah. It's difficult whenever I think about <laughs> solving the world's problems. Um. <laughs>
0: Maybe that could be your hobby, <laughs> like in your spare time, outside no, comedy. No,
1: I don't really have a lot of opinions. I change my mind a lot, which is why I'm scared about, the, you know, knowing that this is a show about talking about big stuff, I, I will probably be unrecognisable to myself in a certain amount of time or, you know, like I change, I change my mind. I hope so. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. But it's – um, what was the thing? Oh, yeah. When I think about – because there's all these complicated things about like when someone it hurts – someone is often you know how it, been hurt themselves and this kind of stuff so where does the blame and it just in my mind went right the only way forward is from now better like okay everyone right now stop from now like better children just just the next just pretty much handballing in their problem <laughs> down the line so we're all screwed in fact but the next ones they 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 can't be they need to be better
0: right yeah i think so i don't know it's I mean, I'm like you when, when you say, I don't know. Like, yeah. I think that's a really valid thing to say. And in fact, I think that we're trained out of it, right? We're trained out of like saying, I don't know. And particularly in this day and age, it feels like everybody has to have a, a firm opinion yeah. on every topic. Yeah, Like I've been having a break from social media over the summer because I don't have to plug things. That's normally why I'm using it. So I've been really light on it. it's light on for news. I'm not doing the radio. I don't feel like I have to be up to date with everything that's happening every day. And it's great because it's just all these things that have happened that I have no opinion on at all. Yeah, Because my opinion wasn't necessary for the conversation to continue. <laughs> I wasn't going to add anything of value. Nobody was waiting to be like, what was Will's hot take on – on this event. Yes, they were. No, no, they weren't. <laughs> Not one person.
1: <laughs> God damn it, what is this hot take? i never sleep. Yeah, it's, yeah, the new, I don't like um, paying attention to the news, which I only really have to do when I'm on, have been paying attention. Whereas well, that's when I have to actually pay attention to the news for the show. But otherwise, I kind of stay away from it because it's just too much. There's too much, and I don't know what to focus on.
0: Well, I think that that's part of the problem with the world.
1: Yeah. But then we... we are now
0: saturated in the 24-hour, you know, news cycle. I've
1: spent... I've been fraught of hours trying to choose something to watch on Netflix. Like hours. (laughs) It's called Overchoice. I looked it up. And it's really bad for us because there's too much stuff. But then I don't want to go and live in a shed in a mountain but it's only going to get more stuff, you know?
0: Um, All right. So uh, I've not actually asked you if you have a philosophy, (laughs) which is something that, like, you know, ideally the podcast covers at some stage. Mm. So let's go there. Do you have one? I mean, well, you do because you've spoken about in your shows that every year you have a kind of motto or whatever, but do you have a broader, overreaching philosophy?
1: I don't know. I don't – because I didn't grow up religious or anything like that. I get – the only thing that I – my core, core beliefs, because as I say, I change my mind all the time, is that if I – some people find it a comforting thought that everything is random. If I believed everything was random, I think I'd lose my mind. I don't know how I could live. If I genuinely believed it's chaos and nothing, nothing matters and anything, is, I, I can't exist. I, I just, I, that is not a comforting thought to me. That that makes me feel deeply uncomfortable. Um, but I imagine I don't, that that's not a
0: comforting thought to a lot of people, no, which but is a lot why of, we have religions and institutions and uh, yes, beliefs absolutely. and, you know, all these sort of things. But
1: some people is. Some people go, great. I'm master of my own destiny. I do what I, you know, would, would find that as a fantastic thing. You go, you make, you know, all life is, is you do that. But I'm not, I don't believe in like fate or predetermined, I don't believe that I don't have a choice. And this is not a cool thing to believe, but if I actually question myself, what I actually hope and believe is that everyone has a – path is the wrong point – but a a potential, a best you that you could be and you don't have to get there, but you could. If you, you know, and things will come up and you can – if something feels right, like with me, I'm very much – Go with the flow. If an opportunity comes up, grab it with both hands and work as hard as absolutely possible. But if anything feels too difficult or I'm chasing something, it's not what I'm... See, even supposed to be doing makes me sound... Anyone who's seen my shows in the past knows that I used to see psychics a lot of the time which I realized was just cuz I was too scared to see a therapist. <laughs> it was a lot cheaper to just go sit down with someone. It's just someone who looks like they know who says everything's going to be fine and that feels really that felt really good. It
0: seems easier than therapy as well though oh, because therapy you have to talk all the time. I would like, oh, yeah. I don't I mean I don't believe you know uh, anyone who's listened to this podcast um, understands what my position on this but I I have a real um intellectually I kind of believe it is all, all random but there is a great curiosity in me of like if it were all random then why would it be this this is such mm. a crazy system for it to be yeah if this were just random like why all these things like why are we here why are we having this conversation yeah. why do we have things Why how have we chosen which things like why do we have Netflix and entertainment and stuff if we're just an accident in the corner of the universe it makes It makes no sense. So, even though I intellectually believe that is the case, you know, part of the reason I have this podcast is I love hearing what other people believe. And I'm not one of those people who I would happily go to a psychic. I would happily go to, you know, any of these things. Even though I absolutely 100% do not believe in psychics, nothing better. To me, that's a good show. To me, I'm not one of those people who's like, hmm, sneer.
1: Yeah. No, it's a fun show. And they're always very happy people. I've never met an agitated psychic. They're never like, ugh. Do you gonna get a promotion? Like they're always, <laughs> no matter. Even they're really mellow, chilled people. So that's just nice to sit around. I mean,
0: that's a funny like idea for like a TV show or something. Is right? a pissed off like, psychic? Yeah, yeah, like a grumpy psychic. Yeah, like it's sort of Dylan Moore and Black Books. Yeah, right. A psychic.
1: Um, but I, yeah. So it's it's. I feel like I, I'm always like, what is my story gonna be? Because I love, and in that show, it ended with how I love at the end of some movies when they do at the end, the screen goes black and then they go in the future, John became a lawyer and then got married and had three cool runnings. has a really good one. I love that. I love a recap. That's a whole life in that it's delicious to get all the answers. Like even in the last when I look back in the last 10 years of my life to say that in, in a paragraph is the best, like it's yum. It's all the best bits without the, I went to the shop that day and blah. like it's so I'm, I'm excited to find out what, my story is going to be, whether it's, whether it's anything, whether it's, and then she opened a milk bar. I don't know how that would end up getting there, but I'm, I, that's what I think of it as, not, you know, that I have a destined path or something, but I'm interested to see what the, my story is because it's, it feels, <laughs> this is sound arrogant, but unique. I mean, everyone's feels unique, but like a lot of the stuff that's traditional is just not, the way that I am. I honestly never thought I'd live this long. Like I feel I've never seen myself as an old, per. I never seen myself in the future. So every day is a surprise. So I don't know. That's just how, that's how I live. It's not, a, it's, I don't choose it. It's just no, I, what I, it feels like. for I, me, And it's fucking terrifying.
0: I really quietly. respond to that though, because I think that idea of like being the, Best you, like you know. And when I say best you, it doesn't mean that like everybody should be going to the gym or everybody should whatever the best utilization of the gifts that you have or the passions that you have or the you know whatever it is. Sometimes people transfer that from their career to their family to you know their hobby or whatever. But to try to live that sort of you know best version of what it is that you know motivates you and makes you happy and satisfies you and all those sort of things. I I like that. I think that's a really good principle. Often if you're talking about an issue or something, like sometimes you'll have somebody say, well, if you really care so much about like the environment, why aren't you out planting yeah. trees? And I'm, I'm like, yeah, because I'd be no good at planting trees. Like have you seen my body? I can <laughs> barely like walk down the stairs. Like whereas I'm okay at talking and people listen to me talk. So the best use of my kind of yeah. skills yeah. is to talk about this thing rather than to do something.
1: I do think that as well. Doing the best you can with what you've got. Yeah. Like, yeah, the best way I can try and make the world better than when I got here is, is talking. It's the same with me. is stories and that kind of stuff. And sometimes it feels like, no, but I'm not a brain surgeon saving lives and stuff. But this is the best that I can yeah. do and whether it's...
0: I think it's two victories when you say that. It's like, A, you've got this comedy from me and B, you wouldn't want me as your brain surgeon. You really wouldn't. If you walked into brain surgery or you really like got but, rolled in or whatever.
1: But maybe the best that I can do, or will end up doing, will be having a massive right. disaster and crash and that makes someone else, inspires someone else to do their best, you know. So, yeah, I think just, yeah, I struggle with that as well when you go, what's the point? It feels so frivolous. It's silly what we're doing but then sometimes it's really not. Sometimes just saying something on stage and, the you know, getting a response from someone privately and being like, oh, wow, that meant something or that made that person's day a bit better or
0: whatever. well that's why pets i think are a good thing in that yeah. regard because it's you're you're loving something or sacrificing you know for something yeah. in a way that really you know is is not in the grand la- you know if i'm a good uh, cat owner in the grand scheme of my life that's gonna be good for no one but my cat pretty much, right? You know, like, but that's enough. Yeah. Like, putting yourself into going, I'm just going to be good at this. Yeah, the cat's going to be well looked after, you know. Yeah. The cat's going to eat the expensive livers and hearts from, (laughs) I'm going to put aside my vegetarian. Oh, yeah. And feed uh, the cat some livers and hearts.
1: And little things like that. Like, I'm not eating, I only eat, I don't eat, I eat chicken and fish still, but any other meat I don't eat. And it's not perfect, but it's getting there. And it's still, I can still go, well, at it's still helping a bit, even if you can't be, you know, actually out there freeing animals from stuff. It's a, every little bit helps. I think is something that I very much believe. As I mean, well.
0: again, I couldn't be freeing animals. Like I can't get <laughs> over the fence. I'm no. gonna get caught because I'll be limping no. away.
1: But I just find, yeah, I don't know. I mean, life's it's it's hard, and it's a long time to spend with yourself as well in your own head, you know?
0: So how do you deal with that? Because you, you've not only, you know, I mean, here's the thing. I think that a lot of people, you know, have the opportunity to be able to go to work and concentrate on something that isn't inside their the own head. I
1: fascin- I've like fantasised about working in an office or being back at a bar and just having a place where I go and I know what to do and I do the thing and I do it and people go, good job, and I go, thank you, mm. and I go home. and I have to. And you to don't have to, to think about it
0: until the next day.
1: Yeah, or, or but I can see the pros. It's, yeah. I don't know, just part of a, a team on a, just a regular thing. Yeah. But I do think, so when I was a kid, and I still feel this now, I would not f- f- um, fantasize about being able to fly or be able to be invisible or that kind of stuff. I always wanted to be, this again sounds very arrogant, <laughs> Well, to be in someone else's mind, to be in their body and their mind, to be someone else so that I could see if it's different to mine, to see if the way their mind works is different to mine. And also to go talk to me and see what, that's actually how, how I actually see. How you come across. Kind of. But mainly to go, is this, like, because we'll never know. There's no right. way, no matter how hard or how long I spend trying to describe what it's like with me in my head, th- that I'll never know if it's what it feels like for you. And that's everyone. And you're with you your whole life.
0: But particularly in the career that you've chosen, you've chosen a career (laughs) where you then, like for your work also, like completely examine your own life. Like, you know, as things progress, like Mm -hmm. sometimes those who've progressed quickly get mad at those who haven't progressed so quickly. You know, the woke can get very mad at the unwoke in society and like why don't they understand, you know, how to use this appropriate language around this and they're like oh because they've been at their job and raising their family and didn't have yeah. time to read those 19 articles on you know uh yeah it doesn't mean they're bad people it just means they haven't quite had the time to examine what they think you mm-hmm. know they the reason they believe that thing that they've been told by that newspaper is they don't have the eight hours in the day where they can go and read a whole variety of other opinions and find out that thing wasn't true they mm-hmm. had time at smoko to read the first three pages of the Herald Sun and that's where they got their news from that day and that's where that idea comes from. It's a great luxury to have all this time to think about your life and what life means and examine yourself. Like somebody asked me, you know, in an interview recently, they were like, what's your show about? And I said, well, it'll be about the same thing that it's always about me yeah you know it's like and, literally and the stuff every year I, I just yeah. do a show about me and what I think about stuff yeah. or what I've been up to I
1: think it's David Quirk that had a really great description of stand-up comedy which is I think it's like my job is to participate in life and report back yeah <laughs> like that that is that's it
0: so that is a level of never getting out of your head that mm. is probably you know, other than sort of your monks and philosophers, like no one's really examining the meaning of life that often and that much. So mm. it can be incredibly tiring to not get out of your head.
1: Well, I think it's part of it is what I was saying is 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 a stand-up is a lot of the time me trying to spend as much time as possible to explain what it's like in there to find out if anyone else also feels that way, you know, because I know how good that can feel when you go, oh, yes, that's not just me. And I think that's probably the type of comedy that I do and sometimes it's wrong sometimes I'll throw stuff out there going everyone thinks this right oh no okay right that one's just me so I think actually maybe I just do stand up to find out whether what things I think are just me and what things I think (laughs) other people also think
0: uh can we have a little pause yeah we're 50 minutes in and Normally that's when an old man at my age stage of life needs to go to the bathroom, Celia, because I have also lived longer than I thought I was going to live. Oh, Uh, We'll be back after this break. All right, we're back. We're back. And I've decided to have another coffee, which is terrible for the fact that I'll have to go to... What's a diuretic coffee? Anyway, people don't Um, need to think about me going to the bathroom. Too late. Uh, So, um, the search for sort of meaning in life, because it's what, no, it's it's what I like. I mean, it's really what this podcast is all about. I ask a whole bunch of other questions so that we can finally get to the bit where I just want to launch into at the start, which is, we've covered a little bit already. You've explained Mm. a little bit already, but when did you start, you know, searching for meaning in your life?
1: Well... I just want to say, because coming into this, because knowing what it is and I didn't want to like study for it today, so I didn't go, right, what do you really think about it before I got here? And I just thought, right. And I'm trying to not think about what people will think about it and just trying to answer things honestly in the moment (laughs) as it comes to me. Um, I think I was always a very sensitive kid. Uh, I actually think that I've been doing this kind of stuff for a very long time. Like when we were in primary school, we went on a school excursion to the cemetery, which is another issue in a country town. Not a lot to do. I
0: mean, um, Gary, we've... Uh, we've run really out run out. My... We've been to the milk bar twice yeah. this
1: month. Let's, let's go to this. We generally went to the cemetery <laughs> and all the kids were playing on the graves and I was very upset because that's just not... Like this is quite a deep thinking kind of kid. And stories, always stories, always making up. That kind of stuff. So, And we lived out in the bush. There was a lot of quiet and big sky. Not that it makes you creative. I think boredom made me always be thinking about something, you know, because there was nothing to do. So I'd write a lot of stories and i just think that.
0: I mean, when we were doing Glasshouse, you know, Koreans from Corriong and, you know, is from Warrnambool and, you know, I'm from Denison. Mm. You know, we were all from really sort of places where there was a lot of boredom you know, mm. where there was a lot of quiet time. And I do think that having that boredom and quiet time can lead to a creative mind or at least that time to ask questions about mm. things. It doesn't necessarily, but if you are that way inclined, then I think it's, you know, it's a good environment for that to grow. Um, while you mentioned the cemetery, mm. uh, I, people always ask me, like, you know, is my family funny? I think my mum has a good sense of humour, but I don't remember her being, you know, performatively Funny, you're just distracted by the yeah, camera, no, no, yeah. Um, and my dad, I, I believe, was funnier to other people, but I don't remember him telling a lot of jokes at home. But the one that I do remember was every time we would go past the cemetery, he'd do the old dead center of town, yep. people, people are dying to, to get, get in him. there.
1: That <laughs> was beautiful, yeah, yeah.
0: And it's it really is the only joke that, I, t- <laughs> that I can remember him ever <laughs> telling, so.
1: Well, this is another thing, and it's not, you know, you can't blame your parents for everything, but you can try. Um, that I realised later in life, because I, I don't have a good relationship with my dad, so you always go, oh, dad's responsible and all this kind of stuff. But actually, because of that, growing up, my mum, like, never said to me as a daughter, one, way, one day you'll have a family, one day this. It was always make your own money Get a career, you can do whatever you want, you know, was always about having a job and work, never ever a family and that kind of stuff. So I think that was planted very early on about being self reliant and being independent.
0: So if you're someone who's thinking about, you know, those sort of things when you're young and you're you know, thinking about deaths in the cemetery and these mm. sort of things, you have an awareness of <laughs> what the a fun death. Kid. You know, well, yeah. you have an awareness that well, death I gr- exists. Well, you, you know,
1: I grew up in the country. Death is everywhere. Yeah. Like death is, that. I think I used to do an old, an old joke about that, which is the only, the closest, because we weren't religious, the closest we had to anything spiritual was knowing the difference between something that's alive and something that's dead. Mm. Like Celia, this rock is not alive. This rabbit is alive. Hit the rabbit with the rock. This rabbit is not Alive, um,
0: and that's why I always find it so hilarious when um, you know that, that that cliche of going to the farm.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because
0: it is that thing around no The one place yeah, useless no. animals do not survive that's where they die. is on a farm. That's
1: where they die. <laughs> and like my dad, we had rabbit those rabbit problems, but I only ever had pet rabbits. So I had a pet rabbit, and then I had my dad would shoot rabbits, and then they'd be in the freezer. And so yeah, death was always was was um around a lot.
0: So uh, if you're someone who you know, has had this sense of like, life having some sort of meaning or at least asking questions about it, what sort of things – you touched on the idea of going to psychics, but there must have been other things along the way that filled that belief system. Were there? Like were you ever religious religious? Were you ever
1: – Never. No? So I think it was um, – I don't want to say stuff with my dad, but just having time to think and writing stories. You know when you were a kid I did a lot of – one day when I get out of this place, a lot of what ifs. All the time, what if? Well, you know, what am I going to be? Always in a rush to get the answers of the whole life. As I say, my story—I can't wait. I mean, unfortunately, I'll be dead. I won't get mm-hmm. it. But like, I'm always—it's when you when you summarize a bunch of time, you know, ten years or twenty years in a couple of sentences, it's the best. So I was always in a rush to find out what's going to happen. So even as a kid, was like, I don't know what's going to happen to me. Like, I want to—I'm going to be an author. I pretty much. Yeah, it was gonna be the dream was when I was little, was an actor but then do comedy movies and then do one serious role, then that breaks me as a as a serious actor. And then when I'm too old to act to write books, that was it. Um so there was a lot It's not a bad little plan. It was a good plan. Um (laughs) So, I think it was – so, it was tied in with that. It must have been going, I wonder what I'm going to do. I wonder what my story is going to be. Am I going to – you know, maybe I die tomorrow. Like, what? I, I I can't wait. I want to know what it is and then what – the thought of what is it going to be sort of does suggest that it's kind of laid out. Like, if it's – so, i thought about all of the possibilities of what it could be, which, I don't know, it made me just – yeah i i'm not sure i've confused myself now i don't know
0: so okay but before psychics were there other belief systems or was that sort of you know your first sort of reaching out to for somebody else's perspective on what was going on in your life
1: yeah i think it was just i just i wanted someone to tell me i wanted and this is also too sort of too full on but i i from a young age, I believed. so with, oh, okay, how do I explain this? Um, my mum would try and cover up for what dad was like. He wasn't abused for anything, but he just didn't talk to it, Just no interest in us. So from a very young age, I had a belief and I took it to mum. and went, this is what I think is happening. And she, from the goodness of her heart, because she thought it was for the best, said that I was wrong, like, no, no, he's just tired. So I was very confused. So I d- learnt to doubt my own thoughts from an, a young age, I think.
0: Right, because you had a natural instinct about something, some sort of Malcolm Gladwell style, you yeah. know, blink, you know, this evolutionary thing that is we all have that you can kind of sum up danger or what person's you know, perspective is from that initial moment, sometimes yeah. more accurately than you came from thinking about it and Processing it later, but you're getting confused signals because you're feeling one thing, but you're being told it's another thing. So,
1: and that was the only sort of, uh, you know, power figure, the person in control was mum. And because we weren't religious, I think I just went to magic instead. So that's what it was. Because I, you know, if I didn't have God going, this is what the answers are. This is the the way the world is. I went. Well, someone has to tell me. There's got to be a grown up somewhere. And I think I just went
0: I've got to, find me a wizard. to psychics.
1: I've got to find me a wizard. Like, yeah. And I, I really, really liked it, like going to to psychics, as I say. But I was logical enough to go, this is probably bullshit. But I couldn't deny that it felt good. I really wanted it to be – I wanted it to be
0: – I guess what I would like to do is, like, do – and I guess this is against the spirit of it. But I'd like – Is that okay, you mentioned therapy before um, – I'm back seeing a therapist again and it's been good mostly, but like, like I think it probably should be some of it's, you know, really hard. And sometimes, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, we've had a little break over Christmas and I was, you know, looking at my diary and I was like, Oh God, I, I should put that back in my diary again for the new year. It's something that, you know, is good for me. But at, at the mm-hmm. same time, it's also, you know, can be some hard work. And so there was a part of me that was like, I wonder if I could see two therapists. Like, are you allowed to see two therapists? Because I feel like this one, the full on work we're doing yeah. and her attitude to me is really good for me. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's good for me weekly. And I think I want to see someone weekly. Could I see two different therapists, like, you know, what on off and on well, weeks? I mean,
1: it just feels like you're coming at a problem from two sides. Why not? I mean, you just get double well, right? Or just well quicker, surely.
0: I mean, I'm not really even trying to fix anything because I'm not even sure what... I just want to... <laughs> well, under- more, it's
1: more—it's just also interesting to be like just checking out. It's like checking up on their work. They'll be like, is this how a therapist is supposed to deal with this problem? I'm going to take it to another therapist and see what they well, say. Well,
0: this is my point. I'd yeah. be the same with psychics. Yeah, you'd go... If I you wouldn't don't go get to one, want, yeah, but I would much. happily go to five because yeah. I want to see if there's common ground. If yeah. like five of you in that Venn diagram are yeah. all are like, you're going to die before you're 50, I'm going to be like, you know what?
1: Do you know what else is good about... <laughs> psychics is um sorry um is and I've had so many friends I've had people like go I don't know if I can be friends with you now I know this about you because they're so deeply offended by the the concept of it and I know it can be really there are people out there who are charlatans who are really taking advantage of hurting people but um for me I liked it for as I say it was like therapy. it was someone saying everything's going to be fine it also helped me make decisions in that if they told me something I didn't want to hear, it made me realize what I actually wanted. You know what I mean? Like what? if I was in a relationship and they'd go, um, "You're going to be forever together forever," and I felt my heart sink. I'm like, "Oh, I'm, I don't want to be with that person." You know? If you I, find I, yourself-
0: I learn more about what I believe by reading articles or listening to someone talk about. You know, who I disagree with. Mm. Right. You can sometimes read something on a topic or whatever and go, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. But it doesn't kind of resonate with you in the way that if you're reading someone who has the opposite opinion and suddenly you feel that like, Oh, that's so outrageous. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. Blah, blah. And yeah. then you actually know, that's why I think that kind of confirmation bubble thing can be really dangerous because often yeah. you actually truly find out what you believe by hearing The opposite of what Mm. you believe. You know, sometimes it's good to listen to other people with different opinions because it makes you more certain of what yours are. Yeah. So I get that. I respond to that. Like the idea that somebody, the advice doesn't need to be a prescription for what it is that you're going to do. Yes. The advice could be, you know, nah, bullshit, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen or that's not what I want. Yeah,
1: or it just makes you realise w- what you wanted to hear and then you go, oh, okay, why mm. did I want to hear that? And also it's better when it's um, just vague. So I was never going – because it's no fun. Like I actually don't want there to be complete predetermined fate. I don't want to go to see a psychic who's actually really good, who tells me all the answers completely. I really, It's really more just a vibe of – You're on the right track. It's usually when I'd have to make a big decision or something and I generally already made it, but you just want someone to go, that's the right decision, (laughs) generally in a purple dress, (laughs) (laughs) sitting in the back room of some crystal shop, right? And uh, I haven't seen a psychic in a very very long time because I've realised that's what it was. And it's the same as texting people and going, am I going to be okay? They can't, whatever they say, it doesn't change how you feel about it or what you're going to do. At the end of the day, it's you. And
0: your mind. I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in that idea, though, of people saying, well, I can't be, you know, I can't be friends with you now that I know this or I can't be, yeah. you know, that I'm judging you based on this. Yeah. I, it doesn't – I see it. Like, I understand it. And sometimes people think it – like, because I don't eat meat, people think that I am anti-people who, you know, eat meat, for example. It's like, no, 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 I just myself don't eat meat, but I feed meat to the animals. It's not like, you know, I don't use meat in my life. Like um, – there's crystals in plants and stuff around this house because the other person that lives in this yeah. house does believe in that stuff yeah. and I just like that they look nice in the plants yeah. like you know I don't need to believe that they have some sort of healing property or that plant is going to grow better because that crystal's down the bottom of it but it looks nice it and does look nice what, is it, I what does it matter know. to me
1: I genuinely <laughs> walked around with crystals in my bra for years Yeah. and one time and then a bit of escalator like clonk clonk I'm like what's that ah crap <laughs> well, I, dropped an, I dropped an amethyst again um but yeah, no, it's not about you don't, no one else needs. So it was more, he was so offended by it because it's like, you're a, that's so st- stupid. I think it might be for some people like that with, would be with religious, you know, absolutely. really might. offends them that no matter what my reasons for doing it were. But, but I mean, is, like, it's like, it's I've talked about it this before, like if when, it's not hurting anyone, like, yes. well, it makes me feel better. What do you care? I'm not. You know, don't shame me. You're going to make me, I'll just keep doing it, but in secret.
0: Well, it's also <laughs> the arrogance of the idea that that person has all the answers. Yeah. I'm sure that person it believes might have been in Ed a whole Kavli. bunch of ridiculous things. <laughs> no. Yeah, that person believes in like, you know, <laughs> I don't know, the capitalist system or trickle down yeah. economics or some equally ridiculous thing that, you know, yeah. there are so many ridiculous things that we sign up for in our society that are all just made up. Like, my yeah. favourite thing is when, like, a Christian is like, oh, Scientology is a weird religion. Yeah, right. It's like, no, it's just newer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's all it is. Yeah.
1: But, yeah, I don't know. But but do you – no, I'm thinking about – what do you think? So, you're not – you think – you you find the thought of things being random at comforting.
0: I don't oh. – no, I don't – it gives me no comfort. <clears throat> Absolutely, it gives me no comfort. But it doesn't cause me great distress either. Like – I, I feel like it's a bit more like, well, this is this is the situation that we're in. I what I find is that life tends to have to go on anyway. Like you still have to put the bins out on Thursday night. Yeah. So life tends to then just take over again. Yeah. So there's a bit of me that's just like, Well, you know, I've just gotta like I love to Try to understand what this is. Mm. But in the meantime, I have to keep doing it regardless. Well, isn't
1: that weird? Because I kind of flip between just being at a sh- in a shop and everyone's just doing normal stuff and I go, how is everyone so calm? Like, we're on a rock hurtling through space. Oh, sucks. Yeah. You know, like, it, it, it's incredible how we can just put things out of our mind <laughs> until there's a time when we'll just go, well, we'll just look at that later, but for now... I got to go to work, or I've got to. Well, as a
0: human race, we're doing it now yeah. with climate change. Yeah, I oh mean, yeah. like we are literally at the point where, like, we know. We know. Yeah, no one can say. To be honest, we've known for years, we know. but but we definitely know now. If
1: only heaps of people had told us yeah. heaps of times. Why didn't heaps of people tell us all the time? But it seems like too slow because there's things that have changed, but so slow. Like plastic bags, now yeah. great. Great. There's a couple left.
0: <laughs> feels like we're putting paint over the yeah. rust. Yeah. It,
1: it, it, and I, I, because then I go, well, I don't know, that's a whole nother thing. I genuinely thought about, because I thought about the end of the, what, what the end of the world would be. And my, my, my fear was actually, before climate change, robots. But now it might be climate will beat it to robots,
0: or that robots might be the thing that we sort of—if you believe in sort of transhumanism, which is this yeah. idea that the only way we'll survive in the new environment is to become sort of amalgam. An amalgam of, you know, artificial intelligence and robots and these sort of things. You know, that the earth will run out of resources, but the rich people will use the advanced technology that we have to still survive as human beings in some form.
1: That's what I think. I think I picture like a Blade Runner type. What's left of the earth will be slums and everyone's really sick down here, but then they'll be like blimps in the sky
0: or well or the rich people component. are already trying to leave yeah no, you'll notice no. that it's richard branson and elon musk yeah, and all right. these people who are hey, hey, coming are up doing? with rocket programs hey, and hey. trying <laughs> to go to mars why are they trying to do where that are you, where
1: are you going oh yeah. no i'm just nah. gonna check over there you stay you yeah. stay here i'm just gonna go i'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just... I'm just gonna have a look over there <laughs> but you guys i'll be right back oh oh can we come no 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 no, no. just i'll do it. it's fine i'll go it's, it's terrifying but yeah i thought it'd be robots um because we made it in too smart. Like, because I remember I was seeing a video, and this was like five years ago, Asimo, it might have been a robot for Toyota or something, and it could kick a soccer ball. Yeah. And it could go upstairs and it could move a chair out of its way. And I'm like, well, you've just taken away our defense of being able to put a chair in front of it or go upstairs. And it was designed for, they could use it to clean up radioactive waste. And I'm yep. like, well, now it's got powers.
0: <laughs> right. Oh, yeah.
1: And it hates us because we send it into the radioactive waste.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, it hates us, like because it's got all our data. Like the internet, uh, yeah. ha- like, it, it knows more than anything else how terrible we actually are. Of course, artificial intelligence will eventually destroy us. We should be destroyed. Yeah, up until this point, humans have had. I mean, the thing about human beings are we are not the most intelligent species. We're not necessarily the most equipped, but we we have no natural predator, human oh. beings, right? We have no natural predator, <laughs> so we've invented one. We're literally <laughs> going to invent our own Why natural we predator. Do that? We are going to be the authors of our own destruction. I have no – I whether it be environmental or whether it be that we, you know, invent the, you know, technology that eventually destroys us, I feel that we are on a course to be the authors of our own destruction. It's so
1: terrifying. No uh, Black Mirror needs to stop making episodes because it's Giving like – Giving
0: people ideas?
1: Yes. <laughs> they're like, wouldn't it be – stop. Yeah, they're stop. doing – they're going to make that now. They yeah, watch that. Some like, Someone goes to work startup. and goes, ah, all right, 9am, let's just turn Black Mirror home. Yeah. Oh, that's really nice idea. Really. Yeah.
0: Everyone's a cell phone.
1: <laughs> Everyone's a cell. The swipe, the the likes one. Well, but. that's.
0: I mean, that is a thing now. So, like in China, they now have this, you know, social cohesion program that you know they're running through their cameras and giving people points for good behaviour. I mean, these things are already happening in our society, and like you said. With those robots, there's that other one. I can't remember the name of the robotics company, but there's essentially there was like a really funny thing where like their robot was dancing to Bruno Mars or whatever that went around the internet last year. But take out the Bruno Mars and all and put in some guns. And yeah, it's like they've never watched Terminator. Yeah, like and we're just making those things. We had the I'm movies. Nervous. They showed us how, it, and people were like, oh, that's a good idea. I'm like, I think you did. You leave before the end of the movie. I
1: mean, the good thing about all of this stuff is it does. I now feel a lot better about just the voices in my head because this is all a lot more scary it's really you know all that stuff when you think about that stuff makes it
0: (laughs) but isn't it great the cognitive dissonance that we are able to have where that we are our brains somehow put aside the fact that you know we know that we have to do more about climate change and we know that we have to that our capacity for technology to evolve is far outweighing the demonstrable effects that that has on our society, whether it's people's attention spans or whether it's confirmation bubbles or whether it's any of these things that come with the advances of technology, whether it's going to be human beings losing jobs to automatic cars or any of these things. We're not having society-wide debates about these things because in the time it takes to have the debates, the technology has jumped ahead more and more quickly and, and will continue to do so. But instead we kind of just go, it's cool that the Alexa can turn on my Netflix and yeah. now I have to spend two hours deciding which show to watch. Three yeah. of.
1: it's really, yeah, it's it's so...
0: I mean, there's up. a chance we're getting distracted to death. And this is also a very first world, you know, perspective because yeah. obviously, you know, this is through, you know, the prism of you know, a world where you can be distracted to death as opposed to other parts of the world where they are just going to die of yeah. the effects of our distraction.
1: Yeah, I kind of feel... Like we were talking about, you go, well, it just seems like such a huge problem. You go, well, all I can do is the best I can do in my bubble, you know, in my in my capacity to do that kind of stuff. And just hope that there's someone, that someone, someone smart fixes it. and kind. This is why I understand religion. That someone smart and kind who has the answers just fi- just fixes it. Right. And just, just you just hope that there's, this is another thing that I've learned. Nobody knows what they're doing. Like, no, they're one. no, no one knows. It's good. Grown ups is not a thing. Like, when you're a kid, you go, When I get, you know, they know. They have, no one has any idea, ever.
0: <laughs> I mean, everyone's always guessing. Here's what I will say is I mean, that people some know people know some stuff. Some people yet. get better at guessing. Yeah. So, for example, you know, the argument we made about climate scientists that they're going, Well, you know, these are just hypothetical, blah, blah, blah. You're like, Yeah. But most of the people who've trained in this all this life, have come to their best guess and their best guess is vaguely in the same area, yeah. which is bad things are coming. That's a qualified guess. Like, yeah. you know, you can't say 100% it's a fact that this will happen then and you know, it, this exact thing will happen because they don't understand. But they can tell you at least in a vague sense the best guess of the smartest people in that. Comedy, our job, is still guesswork. Like every single time we do it, you're guessing... Is this funny? Will people react to this? I'm guessing, right? Mm. Now, the more you do it, hopefully you get better at guessing. Mm. But you're still guessing. Yeah. Yeah, some days you guess and the audience are like, bad guess. And you're like, gee, I'm... Re-. Way off. It turns out I'm just guessing. <laughs> it turns out I don't know at all.
1: Well, because there... And also, it's weird because there is no answer. Right. Which is why I like... Maybe that's why also when we're talking about doing structured stuff is because... And that's also why I like doing puzzles. Like actual jigsaw puzzles are my personal yeah. all the time because so much of it is there's no rules. You're just making it up. So like puzzles I find extremely satisfying because that piece has to go in that place. So I find doing structure in stand-up is a way to put some kind of – some things work better than others. So it does feel like it does something. Some things do have a place in, in that joke or in that show. So it gives it some kind of structure while still being – no, okay. it's still being something that didn't exist before.
0: Um, I, I still have a couple more things that I want to talk to you yeah. about, but we need to, you know, start finishing. Okay. So, Rose Haven's coming back. So, I want to talk about <gasps> yes. that. Yes. So, um, I want to talk about the nature of collaboration because that's always something that's interesting to yeah. me. And, and uh, you and Luke McGregor have, you know, collaborated mm-hmm. on this show. Are you by nature a a good collaborator? What have you learnt about yourself through that collaboration? Because as a – like I've mostly been a a solo artist. So collaboration is something that I I very much enjoy, but it's not my day-to-day. So Mm -hmm. when it's happening, I'm always like – I mean going back into radio, like it was really interesting to me to go, oh, yeah, that's right. Not everybody does things the exact way that I do things. And I have to – like learn how to deal with other people doing things in a in a different way because that is part of the nature of collaboration.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely a lot of compromise and understanding and we're lucky in a lot of ways that, that our temperaments complemented each other. Um, I think our f- major faults that we have to deal with is mine is emo- drama, dramatic, getting too dramatic and emotional and for Luke can be uh, stubborn and nitpicky about things and when we sort of identified that... <laughs> And we over talk, like even if there's a whiff of a fight, it's very funny. So we, we will talk out a fight before the fight happens. Like the number of times I've actually said, I feel like we're about to have a fight. And he's like, yes, I feel that too. Why is that? And I'm like, maybe it's because blah, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And that took a long time. But also um, it, it's, it's a guess. Like, so when we first decided we we're going to work together, we'd never spent that much time together alone. So we went off to Tasmania and just spent a lot of time in a car driving around just to see, are we okay in silence? Are we okay just being in the same space and making chit chat, and it was just a fun time, which it was, which is good. Also, we had the uh, bonus of us being sort of on an equal career point, and we both respected each other's work, so it wasn't like like we are both pretty much at the same level. I thought he was funny; he thought I was funny. So that was really good. There was no, this is my show, and you're coming on with me. It was 100 equal from the start. Um, and it's just a bit of patience, you know, it's just a bit of compromise, a bit of um, over talk. we talk everything out. The first series we had one big fight which led came from both of us having a problem with the other one that we just didn't say anything, which we just should have way earlier. So it, it, we both built up this resentment which was just so stupid, had been carrying it going and then it, when it came out it was like, oh, no, of course, I didn't think that, you think that, that kind of stuff. Um, So that was good, but it's been really enjoyable having some, because it's so many decisions, making a show is just so many decisions that it's really great having someone else just to go, I think this, what do you think? Yeah, okay, great. Or even if just a a sounding board Um, and someone else to to take the the risk of it and the joys of it going well, just so it's not you all on your own, which is what I get enough of that from stand-up. So it's nice to have someone else going, I hope this is good, I hope this is good. And um, I'm really proud of it. I think we made the best show. We were very realistic about what's the best show that we can make together. Because um, sometimes I go, you know, we've talked about this, like we get described as a gentle a lot, which part of me is like, oh, I wish we were edgy, but Luke and I could not have made an edgy show. I mean, we could have tried, maybe we could have, but for our first show we went, what are our strengths? And let's play to those. And little things um, like uh, if it was our um, character's line, we had veto, the final say of, you know, as writing stuff. But if we were writing something for, if it was something that our character got to say, then we got the final say of whether or not it goes in.
0: Uh, Part of the reason I think the show works is, you know, to do with, you know, what, you know, we'll use the gentle word just because, you know, that's the word that you use. Yeah. But... I've said this to you before, but I think it's the best description comedically of, you know, me being from the country, what country people are really like, that uh, capacity to kind of gently make fun of what they're like without being big city, sneery, like looking down your nose at like country people. You honour them, but you also, you know, reveal the quirkiness of what, you know, being in a small community can, can be like. And I think that if you tried to do that in an edgy way, if you tried to do that in like a sharper way, then that wouldn't have actually been reflective of the truth of what those sort of towns and communities yeah. are actually like. It's gentle because those communities are in essence gentle. Yeah, no, Everybody like kind of has to get along because it's a, it's a community. It's actually a community. And then within that, people won't get along and there'll be dramas and all these sort of things.
1: But it's not fast paced. That's why no. that's what we like about it. and that yeah, it was never gonna be look at these weird. it's it's always it was always we love all these are real people. But you could here.
0: you could go the other way and kind of oh, make, or no or even just that sort of thing of going, Oh country people are, you know, the real Australians oh, and right. God's no. own earth no. and <laughs> sort of like glorify <laughs> them in a way that <laughs> often does in our national sort of Character debate, but isn't mm. true of country people at all. Yeah. That like, oh, they're the real Australians. they there hardworking in the country. Mm, no, they just
1: got a. Lot, they're they're a bunch a of they they people a of time as well. On their hand, yeah. yeah, yeah. But also, <laughs> that was another. I think a, a reaction to what the world is like now is that what I love about our show is that it's, it's small and it's in a bubble. No one in our show reads the newspaper. We yeah. will never discuss the outside world. So the whole show is feels like a safe space <laughs> from yeah. from the world t- to the point where. We had a joke where Daniel goes, Emma goes, Oh, you got a fax. And Daniel's like, It's the printer. And he goes, No, 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 I think you got a fax. And it was supposed to say, You are dumb. Daniel is dumb from the president. And we changed it because I was like, The president makes you remember that the president of America is Trump and that'll make people feel sad. So we changed it to the queen. <laughs> right. But just little things like that where were like, No, no, that, that. It's, a, it's a place where, like in this series, the episode one is um, they find a pig. And that's the whole episode. That's it. No that climate change. No none of these big scary things on the outside. We have got a very very simple problem. There's a pig there. Now what?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so that's that's been really fun. But I love that to, to hear that from you. I remember when you told me that about it feeling real to a small town, which is very important to to me to us, but to me particularly because yeah. I'm Luke's the Tasman- Luke from Tasmania, but I'm the one from a small town.
0: Yeah, the tone of the show fits the subject you're talking about. Like it would be ridiculous to get, you know, do you know who Aaron Sorkin is? You know, the West yeah. Wing? Yeah, oh right? yeah. I mean, imagine if Aaron oh, Sorkin man. wrote an episode. Like, you know, just people walking and talking, <laughs> yeah. flying dialogue there's around. Not a, the, yeah, there's not it's enough not, corridors. There's right. not a sing, probably not a single corridor. <laughs> just walking around the factory. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so that's coming back uh, to tel- television really soon. Mm-hmm. And the other one I always ask about um, on the podcast is, uh, do you think about, like, is death a present a thought that is present in your mind sort of day to day is death like something that you think about a lot what what do you think happens when we die
1: what do i think happens when we die as i say i never i thought i would die young and maybe that's because i was dramatic i've got a flair for the dramatic in my brain as well if something's bad like if i have a f- fight a little fight i'm like it's over i'm a bit yeah. catastrophized worst case so me too yeah, right, and as a teenager, oh, man.
0: My, my therapist, um, uh, anyway, it turns out I had the, the wrong email got saved in my thing or whatever and I was emailing her to the wrong email and I wasn't hearing back from her <gasps> and oh. – um, I honestly thought she's a bit older and I was like, oh, maybe she's died or she's had a fall or something. right? Yeah. And like, I and eventually when I got onto her on her phone number, because I just eventually just rang her because I was like worried that she'd like fallen and died. She's like, do you have a tendency to catastrophize things. Yeah, don't you?
1: It's, it's the worst. It's the fear. Everything is, I'm a day away. So I yeah. live in fear more of like my career being at my life, being at like I, I do something, for my career's over, everything's. Fucked. And this is so dark, but weirdly death is almost a, the re- relief. It's more the fear. Is, that's, my, that's my solution in my mind. If, if the fear is I'm going to do something and my career will be ruined and I've thrown everything away and everyone hates me, but it's okay because I could die. That's super dark. And like I don't – but that's I, – I, I, so I don't really think about – I don't fear – and I've been very lucky to not – uh, be very sick in my life or so I've never really come that close I've rode off a car when I was 19 that was super scary but no, I wasn't hurt so it was still wasn't connecting like i have not had to spend a lot of time in hospitals I've been very lucky that way so physical harm and 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 death doesn't doesn't I don't think about it a lot on a day-to-day basis um the one thing that I heard and this broke my brain apart and I don't oh and in terms of what happens after we die I don't believe this but the best scenario in my mind is reincarnation like that's the best thing i can think of because oh, that's the worst why no if because you, cause you have want, no memory i want this to be done you want it to be done but you I want don't it to know be done. Well, you, if
0: i don't know then it's it is done then it's anyway. done anyway
1: yeah. yeah but then you might get to be a butterfly be
0: don't do a reboot <laughs> don't don't remake these characters people aren't gonna love them the way how that they how terrifying if
1: you don't then you wake up and then it's just like you just have to start again it's just a
0: level oh i don't want to I'm, you know what this was in this, done. this
1: was in the psychic show as well this was my absolute nightmare because i hate making decisions well you know choice is terrifying to me because every choice you make is the choice you don't make and what if you chose the wrong one my nightmare is that when you die there's two white lights <laughs> and it goes come towards the light like which one like that is the ultimate that's the worst thing i can think of um so this is a thing that I heard, I don't know if it was a podcast, I'm going to butcher it, but it broke my brain. So you know when you're in dreams and there's time jumps, so you can dream and it feels like two weeks and you were asleep for five minutes, right? Yeah. And I read somewhere that when you die, your brain is still functioning for, let's say a couple of minutes, I don't know. So the concept of heaven and hell is all it is, is actually in those last minutes when your brain is still alive, but you're dead, it's stretching out time to infinity and just replaying all of your memories because, you know, all of the things in your head that would be used for dreams. So if you've had a wonderful life, it's replaying a lot of mainly good things. And if it, and so that's a concept of heaven. And if not, then that's a concept of hell. So there's no physical place. It's just you in your own mind and it's done it to you.
0: That also terrifies me. That's the
1: worst. I know. I'm much
0: more comforted by the idea that I just die and it's and over. And then it's
1: over. But I just want a good. I want it. I just want to be a good story. But yeah. So.
0: Do you want to be remembered?
1: I want to. How important is that? I want to. I just don't want to. I don't want to fuck it up. So right now, if I blinked out of existence, right now, I'm like, I'm okay with it. Did some real cool stuff. Done some real cool stuff. Had some good sex. (laughs) I'm happy. Not that people should be telling that story. I shouldn't. But I'm like, you know, love. Had some love. Done some cool stuff. Might have helped some people. Fucked up a bit along the way. That's fine. I don't want to fuck it up from here, you know? And 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 it'll go terribly wrong. Like um, was it Angela Lansbury who said something a bit fucked and she's like in her nineties and I was like, No, you were so close to being remembered as this <laughs> beautiful great actress She said something I don't know, offensive in some way. So I like <laughs> I like creating something. I stuff. murdered
0: all those people yeah, in real some, life. I know, right? What? It's weird. Um
1: so I'm not too fussed about being... Re- I'd, I'd like to be, if I am... Re- just You know, you like everyone wants. You just want to be remembered as a, as a, as a good guy.
0: It's funny. I, like, I, th- I think that at some stage in my life I had a real desire to be remembered. And now I, I, I have a real desire to be... Like, I, 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 the thing that I fetishize now is I often read these stories and I'm fascinated by these people who if there's like a train crash or a plane crash and they survive and everybody dies, they take that opportunity to start a new life. Mm, like right. they they, literally from that moment they go, That's this is it and I am going to leave the country and I'm going to go and live in the south of France and I'm going to assume mm. a new identity and I'm just going to have a little house and go to the markets and read books and whatever and I'm going to live the rest of my life as like Pierre in like whatever. And there's a part of me that just like loves the idea of like, you know, just completely walking away. Yeah. I don't like the idea of like walking away in a way that like people are like. Oh, didn't you used to be? Didn't you like that idea that it feels like my walking away has been some sort of failure? Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. But the idea that I could walk away with a reason and then for just it. never be seen again. Yeah. There is something about that that really appeals to me.
1: But isn't that weird how we do that? How you could live your life when maybe you really want to do that and that's what would make you so happy, but you won't but because I won't. of what you. Th- you imagine other people think about why you're doing that. Right. Isn't yeah. it? So yeah. See, I like with Stan, uh, that's why I'm going to try and.
0: Because I could. Yeah. Like yeah. I could. I mean, yeah. we could sell up. Yeah. And or I could do it, you know, I don't have to like desert my family and what I could literally just go and yeah live somewhere, like yeah. somewhere where they don't know who I am and just, you know, potter around and do whatever it is that I want to yeah. do, but I won't. Yeah, but I fetishize it.
1: Well, I think I don't know that I'm ever because stand up. Sometimes I love, but a lot of the time I'm t- terrified. It, I'm t- and I shouldn't be. And I sometimes I'm like, the, my job should not be causing me this much pain. Why am I doing this? But it, it's it's who I am. And I'd worry. I'd go. I'd have no friend. We wouldn't be doing this. Like I, everything would fall apart. No one. I wouldn't hang out. No one would spend any time with me because. Uh, that's all, it's because we had that in common and if we don't have that, then there's nothing. So I worry about that. But then I have a gig that's pretty good and I go, oh, no, it's all right. (laughs) You'll be fine.
0: Um, What is, is there a misconception that people have about you? Um, Do you think?
1: But I'm, I don't know. Because I do, I think wanting to be, Liked is important to me, so maybe... What is there a misconception about me? I don't know. People seem to think I'm really nice all the time. (laughs) I'm not. I think I'm changing that a bit now with the stand-up. Um, I don't know. Is there a misconception? I don't know. It's difficult because I don't really have a good handle on what other people think of me and it's very different in terms of where they'd know me from like people from stand-up is very different to what people think of me from utopia or from rosehaven and stuff um i don't know a lot of taxi drivers think i should have kids (laughs) (laughs) So that's interesting That's as a great well. title for a book, by the way. T- they all want to talk to me. It's like the second question. I want to talk to you about having kids.
0: Um, um, can I ask you this yeah. then instead? Um, you talked about that little checklist you had in your mind when you were young of what, you know, mm. success or a life would look like. Do you still have a checklist of some kind in your mind? You no, know,
1: it's something that you said a long time ago on a pod- – it would have been on, a, on your podcast about – which I always – about – about um not redefining yourself but just keeping it loot like just doing a lot of different things variety is very important to me so it's about I'm happiest when I'm you know it's just choosing the next what the next I don't have a checklist of like oh I want to go to America and I want to do this I just want to always be doing something that is new and exciting to me and a bit of a challenge and you know which gets harder because you do more things and I'm like ah uh, animation. I don't know what to do. Do <laughs> you know? So, um, uh, my my I hopes is to. I love to do animation.
0: By the way, I'm going to take this opportunity. If there's anyone out there who like would love to like you know give me some money to like man- make an animated of show. Course there are the thing that has excited me the most um, of anything that I have. Seen? Have you seen that? I can't remember what it's called. I should—I reference this a little bit, and I should remember what it's called. But it's a documentary about the making of South Park. Oh yeah, yes, right? yes, yes. And yes, I have seen. It's amazing. Th- that watching them make that show just weekly and how they make it and yeah. the turnaround and what they do mm-hmm. excited me in a way that I have not been excited. You know, people like because you know people offer me the opportunity to write books again or to you know to make a you know sitcom or what. But they're I don't want to make a sitcom. I don't like acting. It's I've never like followed acting as a passion. Mm-hmm. I've had opportunities to do it and I ha- haven't wanted to do it. I don't want to write something for myself in that way. Mm-hmm. But the idea of writing something and to me it would be that weekly turnaround yeah. like, animated thing. Like, like literally a, do that sort of thing of like for whatever amount of weeks yeah. I get an office – you know in a place with a whole bunch of my funny friends and we go into work and we make a show every week and it like rolls around on the TV and to me that would be like if i if there was one other thing that i would love to do i would love to have the opportunity to sort of to make something like that so if there's anyone out there of listening course there will be. who would like to help me with that yeah but that's what
1: i mean that's that's a perfect example of of a new you know an exciting so i'd like to just i'd like to continue for there to be that and And I say this every year about trying to find a way to be happier outside of work. Just, you know, finding something else to be.
0: Well, that's good because that brings me back to literally the last thing I was going to ask you. Which was we started talking about the idea that you were going to look for things outside stand-up to be doing this year. Yeah. What do you think those things are going to be? Even just
1: spending more time with my family. There was a point where my mum had to schedule an appointment with my agent (laughs) to see me because there was just no time. But just like being okay when things are quiet, just hanging out with my sister and her kids and just trying to do some helpful things, maybe some more, you know, I don't know, technically um, like charity. stuff. Just something good. Just something that's not for me. Something that is for somebody else.
0: What area of, um, uh, if you have a particular charity that if you see them on the street or whatever, do you have one that you're particularly passionate about?
1: Well, here's what I think. Well, because I think it should be what you're, for me it would be women's stuff or mental health stuff. Um, But I've often thought if there was a way, because you know when you have a, a breakup or something goes in your life and you Google like can I go build wells overseas and it's, and you look into it and then there's too many pages and you're like, "Ugh, I'm out and you've changed your mind. If there was somewhere where you could go and do something physical and simply and not that you have to commit to for a big space of time, that'd be great. Yeah. Like I could happily go somewhere for a few hours a couple of times a week and move boxes or someone's I mean, got to need me to just lift something, right? It's a great
0: idea for a charity essentially run by people who've recently gone through relationship breakups <laughs> like yeah, 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 like yeah, yeah, yeah. you maybe offer them some support around it and they do some And they know, feel odd jobs good about themselves. They feel like they're doing something. They like
1: they're, doing something. <laughs> they're out of the house. I don't see why we can't take advantage of people who are getting their heartbroken because that is a renewable resource. That's and we never understand gonna, that people
0: will move on. It's only yeah, a short-term thing. That's what I mean. They feel better But they'll be replaced by the recently heartbroken.
1: yeah. I think that's a great idea. So, but yeah, so no, not in particular, because I get nervous around. You know what it's like when you get approached by a lot of charities, but yes. you want to be, be able to be committed.
0: I guess what letting, I was asking anyway was more what areas are, yeah, so, are you interested in than specific ones. Yeah, but,
1: yeah, mental health and women,
0: because chicks be crazy. <laughs> <The end>. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: Yay!
0: <laughs> um, Celia, it has been an absolute pleasure. Ooh, thank you so much for doing you. that. Thank uh, you. Rose Haven, uh, back on the television January 30. 30th. Uh, January 30. And, um, can't
1: wait to come and see your new show.
0: Yeah, thank you. It's called Well-Informed. Um, it will be on in Hobart. Uh, that's the first time I'll do it. And then uh, Melbourne International National Comedy Festival. Not doing Adelaide and Brisbane this year. Adelaide, I think, not the, the first time in 20 years or something that I haven't done Adelaide. So I'm dipping my toe in the water, Celia. i taking of not, a bit of time off. Not doing everywhere. I couldn't give up Melbourne. Plus, I live here now, so um, it's a bit easier for me to do shows that are just, you know, walking distance from my house. Yeah. But um, a bit of that travel, being away from home... Um, uh, after twenty years, the other people in your life are like, "Could you just not be away all the time?" Mm. So no Adelaide, no Brisbane for their festivals. But I will try to get back to those cities and a whole bunch of other cities uh, later in the year. Is there anything else that we should be looking at? Oh, Utopia is back, right? As well, yes. right? Yes. Yeah, so we haven't started that. Yet, I don't know but when. But very but there's exciting. Be more and that's Utopia. Fun.
1: See, that's a fun job for me because that's one where I get to turn up and someone else tells me what to say and dresses me, and it's really fun and low pressure for me because it's i'm just a cog in the Mm. show it's not
0: someone else just telling you what to do yeah it's really nice (laughs) you're like rob sitch could you please just (laughs) dress in this purple robe this (laughs) will just make me feel a lot more comfortable thank thank you celia